Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Hi, everybody. We've had a bit more of an eventful week this week in global markets, highlighted by two central bank meetings. I have my special guest here, Imogen Bakra, this week to talk about one of them, which is the ECB, so I'll save that for later. The other one was the Bank of Canada. Sure, you've never really heard me talk about Bank of Canada or even Canadian assets in general, so you might be a bit surprised that I'm bringing it up now. But there is an interesting development that I wanted to hit on, which is that the Bank of Canada announced tapering of their bond purchase program or their quantitative easing program this past week. Well, this did have an impact on Canadian assets, including the currency, but not a lot outside of Canada. I bring this up because the bank is the first one to taper their post-COVID crisis purchase programs. And in my mind, it actually kicks off the start of what is a looming next major risk for the markets, which is tapering of QE programs by other central banks. As listeners know, we've been pretty bullish on riskier assets. We have an incredibly strong growth outlook. But underneath that outlook is a situation where central banks have been very accommodative and supportive of the growth outlook. Any changes in that support may change that as markets start to think about not just the end of QE programs, but which, what that leads to after that, which is future rate hikes. Now, to be clear, I'm still pretty positive. We're positive on the growth outlook. We're positive on risk assets. But I think as we progress through April and into May, the story of central banks tapering purchases is going to get more traction. That's mainly because in May, we have the Bank of England meeting and their plans for their quantitative easing purchase program is going to be a major topic. That in turn, we'll start to get people talking and thinking about the Fed and what their plans are. Just as a baseline, we think the Fed is going to start discussing tapering with the markets probably closer to the fall, but that means that markets and investors will start focusing on it more in the summer itself. So this all needs to be on investors' radar. You know, the most immediate implication is that as we progress, it could be potentially negative for rates, which is why we're now back to being bearish U.S. rates and have remained bearish U.K. rates. But it also could serve to introduce volatility into other asset classes, depending on how feverish this tapering conversation return comes um, comes up, which is really a return to how we were in, in January and February. Rates are rising and the risk assets started to be concerned, concerned about a, a premature withdrawal of accommodation from central banks. Again, this may be at least a few weeks away before this process begins. It is just the Bank of Canada. But, you know, when the Bank of England starts talking about it, it probably will raise the attention on it. But with the process beginning this week, we thought it was worth bringing up. Now onto the one area where that process is actually likely to be the slowest, which is Europe and their central bank with the ECB. Thanks again to Imogen Bakra, our European race strategist for joining us. She's also the host of NatWest Markets Bondcast podcast, which she does weekly. So definitely tune into that. So Imogen, what did we learn from the ECB this week? And how does their purchase plans fit into the discussion that I had? Um, am I right? They're probably going to be the slowest. And did we get any hints from the ECB this week about their QA program? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're definitely right on, on that point around them being the slowest. I think um, this week's meeting, as expected, was very uneventful. To be honest, we really didn't learn a whole lot from them. Um, but like I say, we, we didn't expect to learn a lot. It's a kind of inter-quarter meeting. And we had that big meeting back in March where they said they would purchase significantly higher assets for the coming quarter. So they'd already kind of set their stall um, for this quarter and we didn't get any new projection, macro projections or anything this time around. So we weren't expecting it to be um, 
particularly interesting, but it was very much a placeholder meeting. Um, I would just say in terms of things that we learned, um, A, they were um, more optimistic on the outlook, certainly over the medium term, um, but in the near term still sounded um, or still stressed the kind of uncertainties which still warrant this significantly higher purchase pace. Um, I think the thing that we did learn, and um, perhaps this, you know, fits with the discussion that you were just having around other central banks starting to taper off, is that um, they will still be buying significantly higher over the rest of the quarter. Um, there's been a lot of debate among analysts around what significant really means, because we haven't had that, um, or we haven't seen numbers that that we would really suggest are significant so far. Um, interestingly. Lagarde made an explicit reference to the July pace of purchases. So um, if that's the kind of reference to significantly higher, um, that's around 85 billion net a month we'd be looking at, which implies for the rest of this quarter, a purchase pace of around 20 billion euros net. So the ECB aren't backing away from this, um, you know, significantly higher purchase pace this quarter. And, and as you say, that puts them as the kind of um, on the other end of the spectrum, if you like, to... Um, to other central banks. So I have to give you credit because way back when in March, when significantly first came out, you had called for that meant around 20 billion. And uh, there's no accident that I think she made that comment. Central bankers are very careful about what they say, as we know. So that seems like a pretty good guideline. So is there any like time frame in your mind? And don't worry, I won't hold it to you because you know the ECB is, like you said, it's going to be purchasing for a while now and it's dependent on conditions and and how the economic outlook evolves. But, you know, for me, I have the Fed kind of in the fall starting to talk about it, maybe for a Q1 actual taper, you know, obviously things can evolve from there, but just as, you know, a waypoint, do you have anything similar for the ECB? I mean, do you think that they'll be at this pace all year or, um, you know, it really is going to be dependent on the second quarter and second half growth and so I certainly think, you know, I, I said at the beginning, one of the key takeaways was that Lagarde was start, starting to sound more optimistic on the kind of medium term view. Um, and it was just the very near term uncertainties that she stressed. So I think that kind of more optimism over the medium term lends itself to um, this significantly higher purchase pace being relaxed once Q2 is over. And that fits with our kind of um, central scenario as well. You know, we expect a strong rebound half of this year, driven um, well heavily by the vaccination program that's picking up, turning COVID trends and economies kind of um, reopening on, on the timeline that is currently planned. Um, so to me, I, I think this significantly higher pace can be relaxed as early as Q3. Lagarde really didn't give that away today, but I think come June we'll, we'll be talking about that. Um, you know, that will be the focus of the June meeting. Um, beyond that, I guess, uh, and this is where the ECB, I suppose, is a bit different because just that step down from significantly higher really isn't a taper because they still have this, um, you know, half basically of this 1.85 trillion envelope of PEP. And they're also doing APP on the side of that as well. So when we're thinking about um, kind of ECB QE over the longer term, um, we have to get through this period of significantly higher purchases, a step back down in PEP, and then talk about what happens with this ending of PEP and the transition back to the APP. Our base case at the moment is that um, PEP, um, you know, ends as planned in March 2022. It's a real kind of temporary crisis fighting tool. And then that baton is passed back to the APP uh, and the APP is upscaled to, to take in or to um, 
uh, replace some of those pet purchases. But, you know, Lagarde said many times today, it's it's still too early to talk about a pack taper and, and it is very early. It's, it's still a year away. So I think that conversation really won't begin until the end of this year. Okay. It's, it's a very important differentiation as far as how their program operates. So I appreciate you making that clarification. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.